Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast, featuring TMA with Nick Hamilton, Extra Dose. This is TMA with Nick Hamilton. Wake your goat mouth ass up. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what this is coming down through the audience. What look like he just came out of the basement. TMA with Nick Hamilton. You know what I'm saying? Thank you because now. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM, Slam Radio 145. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be on this planet. Hope everybody had a great weekend and a great start to the brand new week. A whole lot to get into on this episode, but before I do, what I need you to do is go ahead and follow me on Instagram at Nick Hamilton LA, as well as on Twitter at Nick Hamilton 213. Also, Check us out at nightcastmedia.com, your gateway to sports, pop culture, entertainment, tech, community, all rolled into one. That's nightcastmedia.com. And of course, I would be remiss if I didn't introduce the guy that puts the whole show together, makes it all move smoothly. Man, smoother than wave grease. (laughs) He is the one and only, our guy, producer extraordinaire, engineer to the stars. Jake Warner, a.k.a. Big Brother Jake. What's up, man? How you doing? Smoother than wave grease. What's up, bro? How you doing, man? You man, in your sayings, bro. I, it gets me every time. <laughs> man, I'm, I am straight at 6 o'clock at 9.15, man. I'm all good on this end. <laughs> uh, always cracks me up, bro. Every time. Every time. Yeah. My weekend was cool, man. I I, I saw a trailer I did, I'm not. I'm not really happy about seeing, but I also oh. saw some other things. Uh, that I was happy about and oh, really? looking forward to. So we'll get into that <laughs> later on in the show. But first and foremost, you know what time it is. If it's going on in the world of sports and entertainment, you know Nick Hamilton is going to speak on it. It's time to get it popping. All right. So let's get, obviously, NFL training camps are opening up this week, which means we are just a step closer to the NFL season taking off, which I can't wait because, listen, September 8th, SoFi Stadium, the Los Angeles Rams against the Buffalo Bills, and, of course, the banner is going to drop as they celebrate their 2021 Super Bowl championship. Um, I can't wait to be there. It's going to be rocking. The house is going to be packed. And, listen, I'm definitely going to be in the house. But before we go there, staying within the NFC West, your man Kyler Murray, quarterback of the Arizona Cardinals, recently signed a new five-year, $230.5 million deal. Uh, That includes a $29 million signing bonus. Uh, It's about $160 million guaranteed. So he averages an annual salary of about $46.1 million. He also said, quote, there's no other place I want to be. I guess not when you're making $230.5 million. Hey, there's no other place I want to be either, if that was the case. But here's the thing. he Remember, he asked for about $400 million originally that he wanted to resign with the Cardinals. You knew damn well he wasn't getting $400 million because he wasn't worth $400 million with $400 in his pocket. However, getting $230.5 is a reasonable number. Kyler Murray hasn't won anything as of yet. Now, does he have the potential of taking this team as they continue to build this team out? Absolutely. I think he belongs in the NFL. I think he could be a good, you know, if not a really a really good quarterback moving forward. Um, he's agile. He's able to move the, move the ball around. He's able to extend plays. And so because of his height, I think that's been the biggest knock on him as far as his height is concerned. Uh, he's been compared to Russell Wilson, but a little bit with a little bit more agility. Uh, but I think also, too, I think Kyler Murray is in the right place. I think you had the Arizona Cardinals had no other choice but to sign Kyler Murray because who the hell else were they going to actually sign in his in his place? They were going to go and let him be a free agent somewhere. So this worked out as a mutual thing for both parties, I believe. I think it worked out well for Kyler Murray. I think it worked out well for the Arizona Cardinals. Now, what are they going to do moving forward to make sure that Kyler Murray has proper help to compete in a tough division uh, against the Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams, who are going to pretty much dominate the division, uh, I think, for the foreseeable future, at least for the next two to three years. If they continue to build in the direction that they're building with Les Snead and head coach Sean McVay. 
And speaking of the Rams, Matthew Stafford and the Rams actually started training camp uh, officially on Sunday. And the, the interesting part about this, and when we talked, when we we talked to quite a few players, right? Like we talked to Van Jefferson. We spoke with A. Sean Robinson. Um, you know, we spoke with obviously Matthew Stafford, Aaron Donald, um, Sean McVay. And their their premise is pretty much we're turning the page. We understand what we accomplished in, in last season, which was magnificent. Matthew Stafford in the trade coming over here in his first year had a lot of criticism, had a lot of negative uh Ne- you know, negative Nancy's, as we like to call him, that said he wasn't going to make it because he never won a playoff game. Uh, he wasn't the guy that they should have gotten. They should have traded for this, that, and the other. And it absolutely proved everybody that were naysayers wrong times four. Um, you had Jalen Ramsey. Uh, obviously, they they lost Robert Woods uh, due to injury, picked up OBJ, picked up Von Miller, who was crucial on uh, defensively. And guess what? They beat the Cincinnati Bengals and they were Super Bowl champions. Uh, So to me, I think this team, the sky's the limit. They're going to have to play differently. And they understand how different they're going to have to play because the bullseye is definitely on their backs um, as they move forward. Now, they did pick up Allen Robinson, who I thought was a huge, who who was a huge target and can definitely go over the top, especially when Matthew Stafford needs to get extra yardage. And the thing about it is, to me, you got a healthy Cam Akers now who's come off uh, – ACL surgery and injury. Um, this is a guy that came back significantly faster than everybody expected him to. And he still uh, contributed to a degree. I mean, there were some bumps and bruises along the way, but that was to be expected for a guy that's coming off ACL. But it was interesting because, Jake, I had an opera, I, I was talking to a guy on Instagram who has been following the NFL for about 20 years. Mm-hmm. And I don't doubt his expertise. I think that I think that I think this individual has a lot of expertise in what he what he assesses. But the one thing I did not agree with him on was him calling Cam Akers a bust because he was saying that he shouldn't follow Cam Akers this year because he's not going to be a top 15 running back, especially him coming off the ACL surgery. And I understand the 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 the, the area of concern when you have a, a running back especially we know the shelf life of running backs in the NFL these mm-hmm. days. But my, my point was this, he doesn't have to be a top 15 running back no. in the system. That is Sean McVay's system. He doesn't have to be a top 15 running back. And that's what I was trying to explain to this individual is that dude, I understand you're talking about just as the individual running back, he's not going to come off ACL injury and immediately, you know, be a top 10, top 15 running back. It, he might be a top 15 running back when it's all said and done. You and I do not know. He thought I was questioning or doubting his expertise. I'm like, dude, just because you've been 100% doesn't mean you can't be wrong. You act like right. you, you walk on water and crap ice cream. I'm like, <laughs> knock it off. I'm like, dude, we all can be wrong at some point. I don't know what your quote-unquote track record is. I, I'm only going off what you're saying, which may not may be accurate, may not be accurate. You may have an 80% rating. Who knows? Nobody's 100% in this world no on way. everything because you're going to get something wrong at some point. Um, and that's what I was trying to explain to this individual um, is that when we honestly don't know. And, and and to take it a step further, he doesn't have to be a top 15 running back. He has to be a, as productive as they need him to be in that system. And, oh, by the way, before the ACL injury, the season prior, he was the Rams' leading rusher at running back <laughs> With I believe six hundred and twenty-seven or six hundred and twenty-nine yards. Right. So he's a leading, he was the leading rusher. So um, yeah, I'm not gonna call Cam Akers a bust. And that's what I told him. I said, dude, I understand if you ha- you are hesitant, especially if you're playing him in fantasy or something to that degree. I understand the hesitation. I understand. That. I mean, Cam Akers came out and said, Look, my goal is to be a top three or top five running back, which I totally get. Any anybody in that position should want to think highly of themselves. Right. And Cam actually works. He actually puts in the work. I've seen this man with my own four eyes. I've watched <laughs> this man put in the work and continue to put in the work. He's not slacking. He's not slouching. Just because he won the Super Bowl ring doesn't mean he's taking any days off more than normal. This guy is, is a workaholic. He's he's try, he's looking to perfect his craft. And so to me, to call that man, now, if you like I said, you want to say you're hesitant or you don't know if he's going to end up being the guy, the same guy that he was once before the ACL injury, totally understand your reservation. But to call that man a bust was simply disrespectful. And it's always the fact that certain folks 
want to always call people bust, but ain't never ain't never bust a grape in the NFL a day in their life. Right. It's it. It seems that way. And the Mr. way this Mr. Fan, Mr. <laughs> Fantasy Football Show on Instagram. <laughs> Chino XL. No, <laughs> but on the real, I mean, the Rams the way the way they're set up, he doesn't have to be an elite running back. Okay, McVay's always found a way to make the system work. But the thing is, some people just can't accept the fact that they could be wrong. Some people just can't accept the fact that. Other people may know what they're talking about. That's what's wrong with our medium these days, bro. People think they know everything, and if you disagree with them, you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> Over that. Yeah, I'm like, and I, <laughs> he thought he got all sensitive into his feelings and thought I was trying to, like, say, oh, I don't know. What you, I don't do. I didn't assume anything. That's your perspective. Right. What I said, I said exactly what I just said here on these airwaves. <laughs> I said that in a, in, a, in a response via Instagram. Right. So, and I said, oh, by the way, so we just going to ignore Adrian Peterson? Yeah. Who came back after six months and was still impactful? Like, he, like Adrian Peterson acted like he didn't have an injury at all. I told you, I told people that dude's bones are made of titanium. Right. There's no way. <laughs> right. <laughs> that a significant injury like what Adrian Peterson suffered and could come right back in the fold. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, a couple of years after that, he declined. But in those first two years, you can't tell me that he wasn't at least top 15 running back in the NFL oh, at that for point. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. You can't tell me he wasn't. Yeah, you can't say that at so all. That, 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 so that dispels your theory right there. So that knocks your 100% accuracy down now. <laughs> yep. That's all I'm saying. Exactly. But, I mean, don't, don't – we're so quick to call somebody a bust. It's like, we did we learn anything from the Kwame Brown situation? <laughs> like, I still don't believe – like honestly, did Kwame Brown live up to the expectation of a number one, you know, draft pick? No. No. Okay. But is that man a bust? No. I don't think so. I, I never think. thought Kwame Brown was a bust, but everybody, including like guys like Stephen A. and guys were making jokes about him for the last twenty years, and he finally lashed out and got some retaliation, revenge, and get back. And so he was he 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 made, he, he voiced his truth. And so you got to be careful. Who we call bust? Now I'm quick to analyze somebody, mm-hmm. and now you know me. I've said it on this show. I'm not backing away from it. I ain't doubling down. You no, know what I mean? You I'm not backing away from it. Never. If you trash, or you play like trash. I'm gonna say you play like trash. Right. <laughs> but if you played good and you played excellent, I'm gonna also praise you at the same time. But I'm I'm not as quick to call somebody a bust when there hasn't been ample time to really assess them for who they are. The same thing with, with, with Baker Mayfield. Everybody wants to write Baker Mayfield off, and I'm not saying Baker Mayfield is the greatest quarterback since sliced bread, but let's put everything in perspective. This is the same guy that had to learn from four different coordinators and two head coaches in his time in Cleveland. How the hell is anybody supposed to develop when you have that many people like a revolving door and you got to pick up brand new offenses, learn different personalities. How's he supposed to thrive and flourish? And Oh, by the way, yes, he's been up and down, but his first year, he was really good. Yes. His third year put up really good numbers. Second and fourth year. Terrible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he's ridiculously inconsistent, but there's a reason for it. See, people don't understand the why is just as important as the actual act itself cause and, and effect. I people cause and effect right people negate the fact of the why and they just go straight to the effect mm-hmm. of what happened mm-hmm. right well you burned your hand oh well, you're stupid mm-hmm. well what if that person was trying to stop a young child from burning itself and they end up putting their hand down there instead right are they still stupid then <laughs> or were they just they rather sacrifice themselves and have a young child burn it, burn themselves up. Right. Because if you let the young child burn themselves, you'd have called them reckless, neglect. You'd have called them every name in the book, but a child of God. Yep. So, again, that's my point of the why is just as important as the actual effect or the the thing that actually transpired. So that's my perspective on that. I think the Rams are going to be fine in the NFC. I think there are a few teams in the NFC they're going to have to be careful of. I think the Tampa Bay Bucks are one. I think the New Orleans Saints are going to be scared, are going to be a sneaky, scary team at some point if they could put it together. And you still got to look out for the Green Bay Packers. Um, despite Aaron Rodgers not having Devontae Adams any longer, 
but still it's, it's Aaron Rodgers, it's Green Bay, it's in the wintertime, it's a tough place to play in the frozen tundra. The Rams are going to have to definitely. And then also, too, you still got to look out for the San Francisco 49ers because whatever whoever their quarterback is going to be, more than likely is going to be Trey Lance. They're still going to be a formidable opponent because the 49ers, for some reason, always get up for the Rams no matter when they play them. I don't care if they only have 15 dressed. They're going to play the Rams extremely hard. That's just what the 49ers do. So those are going to be some teams that the Rams are going to have to definitely look out for um, and really play to the highest level. Uh, because if they don't, guess what? They're going to be in a world of hurt. And they shouldn't be because they should at least get, if they stay healthy and make some some midseason moves, they are definitely, definitely going to be back to the Super Bowl in Arizona. And I'm going to tell you right now, I think if the Rams stay healthy and the Buffalo Bills stay healthy, I, th- I can see these two meeting in the Super Bowl in Arizona. Hmm. So you're saying we're going to see a preview week one of what the Super Bowl could be? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely a preview. And I think it's going to be a very interesting time because, you know, it's always hard on ring night to battle against yeah. another team. You know, even though they got their rings. Dude, have you seen their rings? Oh, my God, yes. That's the craziest ring, the dopest ring I've seen from a Super Bowl champion. That is the best ring I, exactly that is the best ring i have ever seen turf inside the ring up, what the hell i saw it up close and personal i saw it up close and personal i put it on my on my twitter page you mm-hmm. go check it out at nick hamilton 213 um it is incredible it's gaudy oh yeah it is incredible it is well deserved and the only person that can actually wear it on their finger and it looks right is aaron Dunn. yeah it makes it look like normal <laughs> it looks just, like a frisbee just, <laughs> just fyi just saying All right, y'all, coming up on the other side of the break, we have a very special guest, a hip-hop music legend. That's right. He is part of history. He has written, he's been written into history. He is the one and only corrupt young Gotti, one half of the legendary Dog Pound, joining me on the program to talk all things music, what his new endeavors are, and his brand new label, Pentagon Records. So make sure you stick around your radios. You're checking out TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM, Slam Radio 145. Keep it locked. Yo, what's up? Baby, let's go. This is Tua Tungle by Lloyd. Yo, Sway Calloway. This is Spice Adams. This is Michael, the playmaker everywhere. What's up? This is Grok, and you're listening to Slam, Slam Radio. Radio. Serious XM. Yeah. Slam Radio, what's up? From Enrique Santos, 2949, iHeart Latino. Ooh, I'm back at it. 100,000, watch me cash happy. Told the sip, stop calling while she backtracking. Straight nagging. Welcome back to TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM, Slam Radio 145. Make sure you hit me up on Instagram at Nick Hamilton LA. All right, y'all, we have a very special guest. I am honored to be joined by this legendary MC. He is one half of the Dog Pound. He was part of the historic era of Death Row Records. He has now moved on and has matured and grown to be one of the illest MCs in the game. He also has a brand new label called pentagon records brand new situation brand new artists we'll get into those definitely want to welcome the one and only corrupt young Gotti. what's going on man how you doing i'm getting old but i'm still here bucko hey brother you looking well man you're sounding good you're feeling good i'm sure um first of all it's an honor to speak with you man well you know i'm gonna be honest because uh my wife was just telling me lily was like uh you was at the media day Mm-hmm. So I just want to tell you, uh, I love, uh, I love you for that, and thanks for the support of being there, uh, Wu Oh man, it's my pleasure, man. I appreciate that, man. Much love to you too, as well, man. That's why I came out, man, because I grew up on you. Uh, to be honest, man, and, and listening to you as far as the Chronic album, Doggy Style, Dog Food, all the soundtracks, obviously, All Eyes on Me, and and. You know several other projects that you've done streets as a mother and uh you know space you know uh 2001 and, and yeah, 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 just yeah. everything man so the dpg independent records and uh, i mean the list goes on uh, well thank you thank you <laughs> yeah. um but i want to talk to you man let's first let's talk about this project man first of all you got the the label is out you are the the executor of this label let's talk about that as well as seven p's the gotti way what can the audience expect 
from this brand new project by the one and only corrupt young Gotti. Oh man, you know, it feels so good to talk about it. Um, and, and I'm gonna tell you, you know, seven P's is about, uh, giving the best performances on, on music from the youth and the new generation from the West coast, uh, as well as, um, you know, giving them a couple treats of corrupt and me and dads and things of that sort. But just really it's a party, man. Everybody having a good time. But mainly thing about seven pieces, I want everybody to speak their views. You know, tell people how you feel. Tell them, you know, what you think. Uh, this is the album where the, the young folk can express themselves the way they feel like they want to express themselves and tell how they feel right now at this point in moment and that's what seven p's is about proper planning can prevent piss poor performance and i like i, like I teach all my youngsters you know um you, you want to give the best performance your performance is everything from the stage to the mic booth from the mic booth to the stage to television to radio your performance is everything that goes from your interviews and your conversation that goes to uh if they tell you to grab the mic on there you know you got to give your best performance so we want to prevent uh the piss poor experience because i've experienced it before where i was doing too much and, and uh my performance wasn't that great so that's what seven p's is about and um it's through fat beats first release i'm releasing through my fat beats uh, second i should say first was first generation mm -hmm. first generation we dropped first with me mc8 uh chill gangster from the comrades and chills from cmw so it was total cmw you had me you had jail felony gangster from the comrades and king t and um we also had production uh from jinx sir jinx classic record first generation our dj was battle cat that's our dj so you know it was it's a big event and battle cat added some things to the table so you know first generation i dropped first through my deal but before that mm -hmm. i did the horseman through fabulous so you know we did the horseman me cannabis raz kaz and killer priest from the roof and so now they gave me my own situation there. This is the first thing that we're releasing to it. Man, that's fantastic. I mean, that's it's so much history you just dropped. I don't want I don't want to pass that up because you just dropped so much history yeah, yeah. musically and in, even in the culture. When you talked about CMW, you talked about King T, legendary, obviously the Liquid Crew, uh, DJ Battlecat, who we all know is just enormous. Yeah. Uh, what he's been able to do yourself, uh, being a legendary MC that you are. Yeah. um and then you know you said the four horsemen you know basically uh the horsemen i should say with you know yourself and Razcast, who's who's who will eat most mcs up if oh. not all oh yeah you know cannabis killer priests i mean it's just the list goes on how important is it for you corrupt though to have you're in this stage now where you have young people looking up to you and, and seeking you for advice and you're able to disseminate that advice to them based upon your experiences well you know i don't know how important it is to them but i know how important it is to me to be able to share this game because that's how i won somebody felt the love to share the game with me so as a person that's been in the game you know it's a responsibility to spread the love to be able to uh, pass the torch as you see a uh, dog did with Kendrick mm -hmm. and what we all did, you know, uh, passing the torches key and giving people the opportunity to express themselves and shine. That's what hip hop is all about. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Now I want to take it back just a bit if I can, man. Uh, 1992. Oh shit. The chronic. <laughs> right. And let me tell you, you had one of the coldest records on that album. My we know God. about G thing. We know about Let Me what, Ride. What record is that? Stranded on Death Row. My God. Oh wow. And, 
Now, did Dr. Dre, I have to ask you this. Did Dr. Dre, I, I know as structured as Dre is and as, as very sound savvy as he is, and he's a sonic visionary, did he just let you just go off? Because it seemed like Corrupt always got like the longest verses, but they were so lethal and so uh, uh, magical when it came to just capturing the audience. Did he just let you go off and just say, all right, Corrupt, just 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 take over? You know, that's crazy. It's, it's crazy crazy like like run would say like my uncle rev run would say crazy like crazy like <laughs> you know um dr dre basically came to me because i was at death row but i wasn't signed mm -hmm. dr dre was interested in me and so should snoopy brought me to the table snoop did the boot wop and warren g just supported it and nate they just loved it, loved it dr dre came to me one day and said i got the record for you corrupt which amazed me like damn dr dre's thinking about me that that was mind-boggling for a young man like me you know i was just like wow and he gave me the beat stranded on death row <clears throat> and uh, he gave me the beat and said right to it i'll let you know when you're gonna come in the studio i said wow so he gave it to me strictly for corrupt this is the record that i hear your voice on you know he's he's ingenious so that's how it started i got this for you though corrupt. Mm. this is strictly for you and uh because you're gonna set it off so i wrote my rap to it and i waited until dr dre said corrupt until they hit me and say Dre wants you in the studio. You know, um, I said, okay. I came and he brought it up and he said, you ready? When Dr. Dre say, are you ready? You only got two choices, uh, pass or fail. <laughs> Hell yeah, I'm ready. Cause I came <laughs> with my, my notebook. I came with my papers. So bam, he let me fly. And that's what I came up with. And it set the tone for the entire project for the entire record, I should say, for that song. And the way I came in, Dr. Dre named the whole entire song off the beginning of my rap. Mm. Crazy. This before we put Bushwick on, before Dr. Dre did oh. that. It's just like, okay, go corrupt. I started off stranded on death row, boom. When I finished my rap, Dr. Dre said, that's the name of the record. All right, let's go. Uh, do your background. There wasn't no background. I said, you want me to do backgrounds? He said, no, wait. I talked and then he came back and then he said, no, you, you done corrupt, come in. And I was like, oh, for real? And I came in, single vocals. Dr. Dre is the stickler for single vocals. If you can't do it with single vocals, you know, you got to use the backgrounds to add to what your boot mm -hmm. is. But when you can convince when you can lay a single vocal and dr dre says no need for background just open you're the one not the two and also he called me one take jake <laughs> that you know you just laid the whole thing one the, the first time you let you laid your rap you didn't have to do it again okay do it again and just fix this part or you know what stop i'm gonna keep it here and punch you in there's no punches it's just straight to yeah and then Dr. Dre said, okay, one take Jake. And then it was a celebration, like corrupt. Basically, like you made it. You made it. And uh, that was stranded on death row, cuz. And that's why they called it that, because of my verse. Stranded on death Damn. row. Boom. And then he said, that's the name of the album. The name of that particular song. Yep. Man, that's amazing. Oh, that was. I, I felt so good, I can't lie. I was only, what, 19? Man, you have people that lived their whole lives trying to get a session with Dr. Dre, and you came in there and just killed it. And and I mean, that's amazing in itself, man. You know, that's I learned the whole thing from Dr. Dre. You know, he gives young people opportunities, and if you look throughout his career, he always gave people opportunities, young youth people opportunities from myself and from Dog, myself, Daz. Warren G, his brother, you know what I mean? Uh, he taught us things. 
and you can see it stretch on throughout his career after us. Nate Dogg, he, he loved Nate Dogg. Rest in peace, you know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. it's like uh, even after that, when he started his own new thing, you see how he gave the light to people like him. And then like uh, Scott Storch, uh, M brought 50, so 50 Cent, and then Kendrick. You know, Dr. Dre, that's what he does. He always uh, expands his light to the next generation of the youth, and, and he always uh, give people opportunities to shine. Yeah, absolutely. And and another record that you did on Doggy Style, when you said, slow your roll like your leg was broken. Who's joking? Rakim never jokes, so why should I, Lope? And I know he said, I asked my idol, check the vital rhyme flow, though. So I'm asking you this question here about you and Rakim. And how come there has not been you and a Rakim record? Because I've been waiting for that just as a fan. And I know many other fans have been waiting for that, too. So is that something in the works? Has it already been recorded? Hours of Starbucks. Because this is very interesting because, um, you know, I've noticed in my career that um, what you want, <clears throat> rarely happens mm -hmm. um but you know what you don't expect or want happens because it's out of your hands uh, destiny is out of your hands um and you learn also that if it hasn't happened yet when it does happen it's gonna be phenomenal but i've met the r many times mm -hmm. you know he loves corrupt corrupt loves are you know because he's the key he's the one who inspired me and changed my whole rap format gave me my format for rap and uh yeah we know he's the idol and i've never had an opportunity to rock the mic with him um which means that you can best believe in the future this dynamic uh collaboration will be coming to a theater near you and when it does it's pure hip-hop baby pure hip-hop well we as we as hip-hop fans we're gonna put that out in the universe we're gonna see that that happens sooner than later for sure oh, we're gonna make it happen trust me oh yeah. we're gonna do that because that's <laughs> all, uh, what you have the bucket list yeah that's that's on my bucket list okay oh i'm gonna make that happen sooner than later i tell you that much and uh you know my, my big homie uncle r he all he rolls with me regardless so if i have the right record because everything's about the right record mm -hmm. it's about doing the song if you, i had e40 tell me you know i'm always with you corrupt but i don't i don't like this beat after he told me that i ain't sent him another beat you know what i'm saying i'm like okay because it's got to be right so it ain't just the fact that the way people love you it's also about the right record and, and the R definitely fits in that category. I could send him something, but if it ain't the right record, no matter who produced it, the R ain't rolling. Mm -hmm. He ain't rolling. Now, my uncle, too short, because any beat I give him, he makes it magic. So I can give him any beat, but he'll be like, look, bam, he'll drop something on it, cuz, and the whole beat sound different. <laughs> oh, <my laughs> He's one of those guys. He'll make a beat better than it is. <laughs> Oh my mama, man! That's the legend of Too Short, man. He he, man, he has that. Man, Too Short get on any beat, man, and make it better than it sounded before he got on it. Even if you on it, you on it, okay, yeah, that's cool. Then Too Short to lay his shit, and then even you sound better. I'll be like, date. You know what? Now this is the shit. Now my verse sounds even better. I'm like, damn, I'm listening to it. Like, okay, that was, that was good. That was bomb. You know, it's crazy. Crazy. hey man that's that's the beauty that's the beauty of, of talent and speaking of talent you talked about dr dre but your connection with das dillinger man has been absolutely incredible over the course of time and it stood the court the tour excuse me the course of time as it pertains not just musically but you guys have really formed a brotherhood and talk about how that brotherhood has enabled you all to continue the longevity that you've had from dog food all the way to where you guys are right now well, the key to an MC is a skill, but the key to an artist 
is production when it comes to music and um his team and delmar the dads is both production and team dad's the one who brought the whole thing to the table about the dog panel we're gonna be the dog panel he came to me with that idea i agreed because i already was thinking about it the night before mm -hmm. we the dog pound already we like a gang but we're not but we're a gang at the same time i'm thinking like well me and dad might as well be a group because we connected from the time dog brought Delmar out and he brought me in so when he had Daz come I was in and me and Daz linked from the door and uh created our brotherhood the second that we saw each other and we was they ain't left each other's side since then and the thing is that um he came to me one morning and was just like a uh, corrupt we we're gonna be the dog pal I said damn I was thinking the same thing and that's how I knew he was my brother. Great minds think alike. And everything Delmar says, I'm with. And everything I say, he's with. So it's just this, this rhythm. So, you know, uh, when we made the Dog Pound, me and Dad did our first record, Niggas Don't Give a Fuck, which was a Snoop record. And, uh, you know, made it on the poetic justice soundtrack and it's been uphill ever since that's our first dog pound record me dad and Snoop. and so you know with dads man the history is that like this look uh snoop had dr dre i had Daz. Daz is my dr dre mm -hmm. see what i'm saying when I originally started, Warren G was my Dr. Dre. He was the first one out of the whole squad who did a record with me. That was a corrupt solo record. So, you know, like, okay, corrupt, I got something for you. And he gave me my first song, Warren G. He was the first one to give me a song uh, and say, go ahead, Kingpin, this is all you. And I was like, wow, the G dub on my mama. You know, it's interesting you bring up Warren G because I always felt like Warren G, even though people recognize Warren G for the talented guy that he is, especially, you know, artist, producer, and the way he's able to put, bring artists together, put artists out. But I, I never felt like he got his true, true credit because he's been responsible for a lot of things happening. Yourself, you know, Snoop, Nate Dogg, Daz, uh, you know, bringing them to the table. And then also he was instrumental on, you know, helping picking out records for the Chronic album, which obviously changed the whole music landscape. Um, do you feel like Warren G gets his just due just being in hip hop, being in music uh, as a whole? I think Warren G is like country and Western music and like a lot of genres that we don't look into. We don't know what's going on, Warren G, but this is the thing. Facts matter. These are facts. Then his contribution to the music industry, mm -hmm. how he was a part of uh, basically saving Def Jam, which was a milestone in hip hop. And Warren G was a part of getting them back and float. I think that speaks for his credit. Um, everybody being broadcasted loud about it, I, I feel like maybe we ain't listening to the right people to see the Warren G props because Warren G by itself can sell out an arena. Mm -hmm. I think that speaks for his credit. I think the well, the credit that we're looking for for Warren G is not where you know Warren G's credit is at. Because majority of the people that's looking at the credit is looking at people that are uh, hip hop fans like uh, Wu Tang and Biggie. Mm -hmm. or West Coast hip-hop fans like that's looking for Tupac and Snoop. When Warren G has created a whole different lane for himself with no help besides the fact of this, Warren G got his uh, situation through Def Jam. The only other person I think that was West Coast through Def Jam at that time was Domino. Then it was Warren G. 
Warren G came when Def Jam was not at its height. You know, Death Row was killing the game. We were at our height. And then Warren G basically put Def Jam in that game by itself with the great team behind him for the Def Jam. They know how to sell records. That's what they do if they have the right artist. You definitely want to stick around for next week's show because we will be airing part two to my special interview with Corrupt Young Gotti as he discusses how he keeps his pen sharp, MCs that have made sure that he is sharp, as well as his relationship with Eminem. All that and more coming up on next week's episode as we air part two to our interview with Corrupt Young Gotti. Coming up on the other side of the break, we're going to get into the moment's brunch, as well as my thoughts on an MCU's reveal of Black Panther 2, as well as some other uh, films that are coming out. The Avengers have two new films coming out, as well as the Thunderbolts. Definitely want to stick around and hear what I got to say. You might like it, you might not. You never know until you stick around. You're checking out TMA with Nick Hamilton on Sirius XM, Slime Radio 145. Keep it locked. This is Sirius XM 145, Slam Radio. Slam Radio, what's up? From Enrique Santos, 2949, iHeart Latino. segment of the show tma with nick hamilton sirius xm slam radio 145 make sure you follow me on twitter at nick hamilton 213 and also subscribe to us at youtube.com slash nh experience tv that's youtube.com slash nh experience tv fresh new content daily from the world of sports and entertainment definitely don't definitely don't want to miss exclusive interviews content and oh yes some upcoming announcements where you too can win some prizes. That is youtube.com slash NH experience TV. All right, y'all. The MCU. Now, anybody knows me knows I'm a huge Marvel fan, have always been that way. And I'm a, what they consider a purist, which means I pretty much want the stuff that I see on screen to be remnants of the cartoon, the comic book, Something that reminds me of why we are sitting here and investing two to two and a half hours, including my money, into watching these fine films. Over the weekend at Comic-Con in San Diego, Marvel released a schedule and a plethora of films that are coming up all the way to 2026. Now, of course, Black Panther 2 is probably one of the most, wouldn't you say, Jake, one of the most highly anticipated Films that we've seen since the since the the unfortunate death of Chadwick Boseman, who played T'Challa, who played a great T'Challa, by the way. Um, and I saw I saw the trailer, which I'm sure many of you probably listening have probably saw the, seen the trailer. Excuse me, uh, if you haven't, go watch it. But hey, this is what we got to talk about. Mm-hmm. I was the tra- here's the thing that 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 I'm in the middle of. I wasn't impressed by the trailer. I felt like the trailer was disorganized. Mm-hmm. I felt it was all over the place. It was nothing of substance. Now, I love the fact that Angela Bassett is back. Lupita is back. Um, the other young lady that played T'Challa's sister, she's back. A lot of the characters from the first Black Panther are back. And I think Ryan Coogler is an outstanding director. Yes. I don't want to take anything away from Ryan Coogler. I think he's an outstanding director. I think he's very brilliant. He see he tells a story within the story. That's the, the sign of a great director. I am not looking forward to wanting to watch this film. I felt like there were some elements in there. And I remember talking to a couple of uh, Nigerian uh, partners of mine that their family's actually from Nigeria. They were born here, but they're from Nigeria. But they were telling me how uh, folks from China who had moved into the country of Nigeria were pretty much trying to colonize and pretty much take over. Um, And I saw something somewhere where it was a it was a Chinese teacher that was teaching these Nigerian kids Chinese, but they were saying derogatory things to them in Chinese, and they, these kids were repeating it because they didn't know. Mm. So you see the colonization of how China has gotten into Nigeria, and I noticed that how they would in Black Panther two, if you if you remember the trailer, how they they were trying looks like they were trying to destroy and take over Wakanda and trying to colonize it. At least that's the appearance that it gave. So that was a very interesting point. I thought that they raised 
in that part of Black Panther as far as the colonization of Wakanda. But in real life, how many times have countries come to colonize other countries and taken over? Outside of that, to me, they've completely ruined the storyline for me. I was utterly disappointed. I thought they should have recasted T'Challa. I understand about, um, you know, upholding Chadwick Boseman's legacy, but it, to me, it seemed like they were profiting off of his memory mm-hmm. versus the actual character. Um, I didn't, I, I didn't like it. I think they completely ruined the storyline for Black Panther. I think it's going to do well the first weekend, but after that, it's going to have a significant drop off because people are going to realize that this, this, this movie ain't re- really all that. And I know everybody's hyped up because it's Black Panther. And I here come the people with the fist out and all this other nonsense. But I will say this much. I love black excellence. I love the black actors that are, 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 are featured in this film. But I am not looking forward to watching this movie because, I, like I said, I think they completely uh, destroyed the storyline. Because, again, I watched the cartoon of Black Panther, which many people have not. I remember reading the comic book. I still have a few comics of Black Panther. Um so this completely ruined the storyline for me. I have no interest in seeing it whatsoever. You know, Nick, here's the thing. I'm not going to watch it. And I, I think they should have never made a second one. Everybody in such a hurry to make sequels or, or try to duplicate greatness or capitalize off things, as you said, I thought the first movie was so brilliant and so amazing and you know, it got me in the feels even. You know, it's like it's a great storyline. One of my favorite movies of all time. They should have left it alone. They should have never did another one. It waters down the first one when you do this second one. And like all these remakes, like, you know, White Man Can't Jump remakes and House Party and all these other classic movies that people want to recreate. Hollywood's running out of ideas. Let's just stop. Black Panther was good. Should have left it, left it alone. You know, they're trying to make it seem, oh, you know, we're, we're trying to make it for, you know, stop. They should have never did it. I'm not down and I won't watch it. Well, here's the thing. I'm going to, here's why I say you're, here's why I say that you're wrong on this aspect. So in order to continue the storyline, they had to make another one because it was so much going on. The part I didn't like, like I said, they didn't recast T'Challa. Mm-hmm. You don't see Michael B. Jordan re- being reissued into the film mm-hmm. as Killamonger because if you read the comics and you watch the cartoon, he was actually resurrected from the dead by the ancestors. Right. And eventually went on to help fight and defend Wakanda at some point. Even though Killamonger was the realest dude from Wakanda. Mm-hmm. The fact that you 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 now the sister is more than likely the new Black Panther makes absolutely no sense because if you go in, if you read if you study the, the the timeline and you study the comic, right, you realize Black Panther and Storm from X Men. They got together, had a relationship, and out of that relationship, they had a daughter. So how the hell are you going to explain that if you continue to keep these movies going? And you eventually, let's say you want to make a Storm solo movie right after the X-Men. You talk about her life and at some point. How the hell do you bring that into the effect if, if T'Challa's already dead? Right. Make it make sense. And it doesn't. <laughs> That's make why. it make sense. It's just too unorganized for me. I'm not feeling it, bro. Just like I, my issue with Endgame. I loved Endgame. I think Infinity, War, Infinity Wars was great. Mm-hmm. But Endgame, the only thing I had a problem with and some people looked at me like I was funny, but I was like, again, you people don't follow the storylines. Right. Captain America did not retire. He got stuck in the portal. Right. And they had to, and the Avengers had to go back and get him out of the portal because he was trying to return the stones to its rightful owner. Mm-hmm. He was stuck in the portal. He didn't grow old and start dancing with some sweetheart in his living room to some old school music. <laughs> okay? That's not how it ended. For Captain America. Now, I am looking forward to Captain America 4. I am looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to both of the Avengers movies. The Thunderbolts, I'm definitely looking forward to. And Loki 2, definitely looking forward to as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, the rest, yeah, <laughs> lots to be desired. Anyway, I've talked up enough. I've talked up the appetite. So, uh, Chef Jake, what you got cooking in the kitchen this week? All right, let's get to it. 
It's always something to talk about. Let's check out the Moments Brunch. What's cooking this week, guys? All right. With Juan Soto still hanging around out there, which team do you feel has the best chance to trade for him? Oh, that is a good question. I'm going to say, I think that I think two teams. I think there's the Dodgers and the Yankees. Now, the Yankees have a little bit less to offer that looks glitzy and glamorous mm-hmm. than the Dodgers do because I think the Dodgers have a really strong farm system. And they also have some players that they can actually add to the mix that would probably appease the Washington Nationals. Because a lot, a lot of people are thinking that the Mets could get Juan Soto. I don't know if that's a smart idea for the Washington Nationals to trade within the division. But again, we're talking about the Washington Nationals here. <laughs> the same Washington Nationals, when I spoke with Scott Boris over the MLB All-Star break, he actually told me and a few other reporters that were standing by that Juan Soto had to fly commercial. First class, but mm. fly commercial from Washington, D.C. to Atlanta, then connect on a flight from Atlanta to L.A., and you arrive in L.A. at 1.30 in the morning. Embarrassing. Before, the day before, uh, or the time, the hours before, um, you know, All-Star Media Day took place, mm-hmm. right? I think the Dodgers have a great chance. If they want to go get Juan Soto, and a lot of, some, I, I was having a uh, conversation with a friend of mine who covers the Dodgers extensively mm-hmm. uh, for NBC, and he was saying, man, I don't think the Dodgers want to take on another hefty contract after obviously paying Freddie Freeman. They're paying uh, Mookie Betts, who's doing mm-hmm. extremely well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they have a lot of hefty contracts. Plus, they got to be willing to pay Walker Bueller. They're going to have to be willing to pay some other young stars, Trey Turner. Yep. Um, but here's the thing I said. I said they don't necessarily have to pay Juan Soto and offer him a new deal. He still has a year and a half, I believe, left on his current deal, if I'm not mistaken. Um, if you get a World Series ring this year, he's not going to complain about getting a new deal. No. Anytime so, right? Even if you get to the World Series, right? I would hold on to Juan Soto. If you get a World Series ring this year or next year, right? Mm-hmm. I would give up Max Muncy. I'd give up Bellinger because I don't think I don't see you paying – uh, Cody Bellinger ma- maximum money. Hell, he just reappeared off being a milk carton all star for the <laughs> umpteen for umpteen months over the weekend against the Giants. We, we I forgot he was even on the damn roster <laughs> before he blasted that that grand slam. I didn't even know he. I thought he was still on a milk carton. Okay. Yeah, he was missing so, for a while. Yeah, he was MIA. I, he was. Have you seen me? But- <laughs> Call this number if you've seen me. Right. Oh man! So I would give up. I would throw in Max Muncy. I would throw in Bellinger. And also, here's the kicker: I still believe the the Dodgers could get Luis Castillo as well. Oh yeah, that would that'd be a great pickup for them. They do need another arm. They do need another arm, no doubt. Yeah, even yeah. though they're I, doing even though, well, but yeah, yeah. I mean, Dave Roberts told us that you know Dustin May is is in rehab. He's spoken to Walker Bueller. We, we don't know exactly when Blake Trinan is going to come back. We do know he's going to come back at some point, possibly maybe late August, early September. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't hurt to have another arm, especially going into the playoffs. Yeah. Wouldn't hurt at all. Wouldn't hurt at all. Here we go. Second item up on the menu. Uh, there's a model who goes by the IG handle of Just Gazal. She was quick to share a screenshot of one LeBron James viewing her page. When is clout too much? This is where clout is too much. You know how I many people view pages of Instagram models, quote-unquote Instagram models? Oh, that's what they're calling themselves these days. Millions. I, go, I stroll through all the time. Same. I love seeing beautiful women. Same. Now, if LeBron slipped in her DMs and commented like, hey, let's hook up, now that's a different story. Yeah. If the man is just looking through your He's a man. He has eyes. He ain't Stevie Wonder. He can see. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's going to have my, he likes beautiful women like any other man does. So what's the problem? I mean, you just, you just, you just want some clout because you want to use LeBron's name in the story. So you can get some clout so people can go look at your photos that, that people that haven't seen your photos. I've never heard of this chick ever in same, my life before same. I read this story. Same, same. Yeah, it's just ridiculous, man. The man viewed it, so what? All men are gonna look, and that's not that's that's a non-story. 
But you if know. you don't want them looking, if you don't want them looking, then, then don't post. Yeah, but of course I, she's gonna post, bro. I mean, that's probably, of course. You know, when, when so, <laughs> so sit back and have a tall glass and shut the hell up. Uh, we we know a few people that like to just post for no reason, but I'll keep it moving, keep it moving. Um, <laughs> just four songs into the Kid Cudi performance, uh, he was hit in the face at Rolling Loud in Miami <laughs> by what appeared to be a water bottle, and proceeded to warn the crowd that if it happened again, the show would be over. He eventually walked off the stage. What needs to happen to prevent incidents like this ruining concert experiences? <laughs> He got popped Wait, pretty hard, play, though. Can we play the clip real quick, Jake? Can yeah. We, can, we, can we play play the clip for our viewers really quick? Yep, yep, yep. Here we go. Yo, I'm going to walk off this stage. If y'all throw one more thing up here, I will leave. I will leave right now. Throw one more thing on the stage, and I will walk off. I'm not playing. I'm not playing. You will ruin it for everybody. I will leave. If I get hit with one more thing, if I see one more thing on this Okay. <laughs> Let's be clear. Wow. I'm not condo- First of all, I am not condoning anybody throwing any type of objects on stage. I think it's very dangerous and it's stupid. It's very because stupid. Because you ruin the experience for everybody else that paid their hard-earned <laughs> money to see this particular individual perform. Ping. Now, maybe they're, try- maybe they're trying to give Kid Cudi a-, a-, a message saying that we think that your performance or your music is trash. I don't know. That's mm. why they're throwing water bottles and trash on the stage. Maybe they're trying to send them a message. I don't know. Regardless of what they're trying to do, it is irresponsible and is foolish. And what's going to happen is a lot of these artists are going to start declining these festivals. And your favorite artists are not going to be available to you as much as you want them to because they're going to fear for their safety. Just like we saw what happened with Dave Chappelle not too long ago. We saw what happened. uh, I think it was a – I forgot. Was it – was it – I forgot what the art – who the artist was. Uh, Travis Scott, yes, or some fool tried to jump on the stage, yep. and he got he got speared by his uh by his security. He his sure his security was right there on it. Yeah. So props to his security for being there. Um, but you're gonna the more you start seeing these types of incidents, the more you're gonna be further and further back away from the stage. And all you people that are paying your hard earned money to see front row tickets or the first couple rows of tickets are going to be further and further back from the stage. And you're going to have barricades where you're almost going to look like you're looking through fences to try to watch your favorite mm-hmm. artist perform. So some of y'all need to cut this crap out. It's ridiculous, man. There's no excuse. I mean, we laugh because, you know, it's kid cutting. We think it's funny. <laughs> but in all actuality, it's, it's not it's funny. Not. And, and, and it's a safety issue because what if that hit him in the head? What if something, what if it was a sharper object mm-hmm. that hit him in the head that could have caused him to have a concussion or anything of that nature. Maybe the band members, some people that are playing in his band, you know, the DJ or something like that could have got injured. Like anybody could have got injured with this. So I think it's foolish. I think it's stupid. People need to just cut it, cut it the hell out. Yeah, it's getting a little dangerous for everybody out there that's performing, man, whether you're a comedian or a music artist. And that is the Moments Brunch. Have you thrown any? Have you thrown any objects on stage, Jake? It, it, because the artist was that bad? No, never. I, I would boo them. I would boo them. I would go to the front and be like, "You suck!" But I would never. <laughs> I would never throw anything because you know I'm not trying to get arrested, man. You know I got a clean record, bro. I ain't trying All to right. be up in the mix. But also, if it's nobody can anger me that bad on a stage where I'm throwing something at them. You know, unless they throw something at me first, then I'm going to retaliate. I'm going to bomb first, you know. But... Or, they say, or, they, or they say something racial or... Oh, yeah, then, or then it's on, man. Something like that. Then it's like, all right, dude, Yeah, it is what it is. We, 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 you about to get your, your, your ass handed to you yep. pretty much. Exactly right. Nah, man, I can't do it. Well, you know what, ladies and gentlemen, that is our show for this week. If you miss any portion of this broadcast, make sure you download and subscribe to us on all streaming platforms. That is SoundCloud, iHeartRadio iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, all for free 99. I'd like to thank my special guest, Corrupt Young Gotti, and be sure to check out next week's episode for part two of this very, very insightful interview between myself and Corrupt. Definitely want to tune in and stick around. I'd like to thank my producer extraordinaire, Engineer to the Stars, Jake Warner, better known as Big Brother Jake, and everybody at SiriusXM, Slam Radio, and Nightcast Media. And all of you for taking time out of your schedule to check us out each and every week. All right, y'all. 
I'm Nick Hamilton. Make sure you follow me on Instagram at Nick Hamilton, uh, excuse me, Nick Hamilton LA, as well as on Twitter at Nick Hamilton 213. And make sure you follow Jake Warner at Big Brother Jake on all social media platforms. And make sure you follow us at Nightcast Media as well as on, on all social media platforms. Until next week, take care, stay sharp. We in the wind like paper planes, y'all. The views and opinions expressed on TMA with Nick Hamilton Extra Dose are entirely those of the host, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio.